one of like just thinking about it as a channel and something that I didn't expect that already I'm excited about is when somebody invests, they can put in like what if they have any professional expertise or like what in particular attracted them to this deal. And if you want to call them for any information and just like now kind of clicking through and be like, oh my God, look at all these people with such rich expertise in these different areas. And it just feels good to kind of have them on our team, you know, and feel like we're building it together. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I'm delighted to introduce Marita Baustead to you. She is a CEO and designer and founder of Pocampo. I hope the founder part was okay, Maria, but I'm almost positive that that also fits in your title. <laughs> yeah, it does. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here. It's great to reconnect. I'm so excited to talk with you about your micromobility brand and the breakout year you had in 2020, which is almost a little bit of a dichotomy to say, right? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're going to talk about how you've really, you know, just taken that momentum and really, you know, burned the boats as they like to say, right? Like there is no returning to the, the island. Down. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind, I'd love for you to give a little bit of background on yourself and Pocampo before we drop into this awesome conversation today. Yeah, sure. So my background is as an industrial designer. My first job was actually designing bags, and then I moved on to do branding and packaging for a global design firm, working with big companies like P&G and Microsoft and helping them figure out which target markets to go after and what the design language should be to express certain design values to the target customer, which I really love doing. I'm also a big city cyclist. I have been ever since college and just kept biking as I became a professional. And how to carry things on my bike was one of the big problems I felt like I wanted to solve. Because if you wear a backpack, you can get really sweaty. A normal handbag will like swing around, bounce your knees, really annoying. But then bags designed to go on the bike aren't really meant to be taken off the bike. And I wanted something that I could take into my office and just use as my normal bag throughout the day. And just seeing how like more and more people were biking all the time. And this was over 10 years ago. So it's come so far from then. And this was before bike share, scooter share, bike lanes for the most part. But already you could see more and more people biking for transportation in their normal clothes. And I was just thinking like it just felt like a good product opportunity and also a good brand opportunity because so many of the bike brands or at least bike bag brands were still kind of just treating biking as like just a sport or just like this performance thing or like this super kind of macho thing and none of that mm -hmm. really reflected me and 
while I was biking or why any of my friends were biking. And I felt like there was like an opening for a fresh new brand that was more like sustainable and just embracing the joy and freedom of cycling every day. Right. And boy, your timing couldn't have been better with the enormous influx of cyclists into I don't know if I would even say into cycling. I mean, it's almost like an outside in, right? Like we're almost as like the core cycling community joining the masses that have come in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess that was always what I assumed would happen just because the benefits are biking are so great. Like you have kind of the more rational ones, you know, where it's like, it's exercise, it's good for the environment. You might save some money, but I feel like just that kind of feeling of freedom and joy and exploring your city, it just makes it so addicting. You know, like once you get used to it and you kind of figure out your routes and everything, it's hard to imagine going back. And I just knew as bike infrastructure improved and more and more people did it, so it felt safer and then more people did it, it would become this like no turning back point where more and more people would just start getting in the bike lane and experiencing it. So It did take longer than I thought, honestly, (laughs) back in 2010, I thought, oh, you know, in three years, I'll be a millionaire, but it's been a longer (laughs) process than that. But really um, being able to use those years while waiting for the market to develop to really fine tune and kind of perfect the products with our consumer and build out the supply chain, like all those kinds of pieces to build a really good foundation for the company. So when we see the bike boom of 2020, or even I would call like the micro mobility boom of 2018 to be in like such a good place to be able to seize that opportunity. That's amazing. So let's talk about, I loved, um, as we were kind of preparing for the interview here, you shared with me that you had everything teed up and ready to go on March 9th, right? Like of 2020, which was literally right before the global pandemic was announced. I believe it was the next week that the pandemic was announced. And I remember, I think your uh, phrasing was like, it felt like the world was going to end, but then all of a sudden things just sent, right? Like, tell us what that was like for you. Yeah, it was a real like a whiplash month, I would say for March, because we had been working on refreshing the line and the brand and kind of building the team for maybe about six months before then and really feeling proud of like the new website and the new product and just cannot wait to like get it out there and show everybody. And so that was on March 9th. And like, you know, there is a little whispers of stuff happening, like South by Southwest had just been canceled the week before. And that was kind of shocking, you know. But really, like once the domino started to fall that week, I'm sure you remember, it was just like everything changed within a week. And I remember spending the rest of that month, like applying for the PPP and figuring out an EIDL was like, are we even going to be able to survive, you know? And then um, starting in April, we introduced face masks really early on. It was an idea I had just reading. It must've been like the first weekend of April because I was reading the paper and it says CDC now recommends that everybody wear face masks. And I was like, I guess we got to get some face masks now. Where are we going to get those from? And thinking about like, our only escape every day was like a little walk or jog or bike ride to just to get out of the apartment. I'm like, you know what? Our customers are going to be asking themselves the same thing. It wouldn't be nice to have a face mask that was pretty breathable and like high vis and maybe some reflective on there, like the kind of the stuff we put on all of our products. So that I think was kind of like our big kick in the pants in a way to like look at what was happening as, um, I would say like an opportunity, but just thinking about ways that we could serve our customers better during that difficult time. And I found some like high-vis yellow fabric. I have a friend in Brooklyn who makes iron-on reflective things. And I found a seamstress who made uh, 100 masks for me. I'm like, let's just see how it goes. 
and they sold out in two hours. And then from there, it was like, <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Here's Game something that people on. want, you know? And so figuring out how to make those at higher capacity and that kind of kept us occupied, but then really seeing the bike bags starting to sell, you know, and it was pretty shocking. Like, I think we sold more handlebar bags before July than in like the two years combined previously. It was just really phenomenal. Uh, and you could see it just looking at the window too, you know, like people were biking. It was something that you could do that was safe and fun and you could do with your family. And yeah, it was just, we're totally in the right place at the right time. And nothing felt better than be able to support all those new cyclists with some good year. And that, I think you just hit the nail on the head and it's important to bring this up because there isn't a single leader or entrepreneur I haven't talked with on the show or just within our day to day who almost feels bad about saying the word opportunity. And of course we do. I think we're incredibly empathetic in our outdoor recreation industries, right? We're, we're mm-hmm. in this because we love our people. We want them to discover what we love. Um, however, you really, I think we're hitting the nail on the head because you were discovering how people needed to solve problems in a new way. And you were able to do that. And one of the other facets of that, Maria, that I'd love to have you speak to is they needed to have that problem solving happen outside of Amazon, outside of their normal go-tos, outside of their normal like store that they would go to physically. So what are some of the things where people kind of storming your door at your website or tell us like how people found you during that time, or maybe what were some of the channels that were really successful for you as you were going through that? Yeah, in that early spring, it was definitely pocampo.com. That was really our workhorse. Normally, for most years, we do a lot of wholesale business. Spring is when we make the majority of our deliveries. So March and April are like our Christmas, especially for the wholesale side of the business. And with so many stores closed or totally stressed or everybody was freaked out, a lot of those orders were canceled or postponed or whatever, you know? So we took a look at what was happening. I'm like, you know, all that that we were planning to devote to support our wholesalers for these months, let's just put that into our digital channel. Amazon at that time was focusing on like PPE and kind of more critical things and not so much bags like ours. So that that door almost shut to us almost um, during that time too. So being able to invest really heavily in our own digital presence and our new website we were able to do a lot with lead generation and just learn a lot more about that customer that was coming to our site in during this time. One of the things that we learned, and this was totally a departure from previous years, usually we considered our customers to be pretty like seasoned cyclists, you know, because it takes like you have to be comfortable biking before you even kind of realize how helpful a bike bag would be, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was already like kind of people knew what they wanted or knew how we fit in with the bike bag world and what kind of features, whatever, you know? Last year in spring, it was a different customer, you know, somebody who hadn't biked in a long time or um, just took their bike out of their garage or had only taken like totally leisurely bike rides through parks, but had never like biked on city streets before in normal clothes before, you know? And so being able to kind of shift our content to speak to those people a little bit better and really explain the advantage of a bike bag and how it can help you integrate biking more seamlessly into your life. That's awesome. Not to mention, and I'm saying this, and I felt this way since I first met you back at the Camber Outdoors Pitch Fest. I think it was 2017, maybe. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Your product is fantastic looking. It is just, you know, I like 
fashion, so I'm going to say cute, but I know you have <laughs> things no, that are also quite sure. functional. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I just that was always the thing that drove me crazy. It's like, it feels like in a lot of bike stuff, it's like mutually exclusive as if like functional and attractive cannot coexist. I know. know. And as like a designer, like that is so arbitrary and they should coexist. And there's no reason why there has to be that trade-off between the two. I totally agree. So let's talk a little more. One thing, and we are going to get into a really, really important, you know, development that you've taken on that I think is so, so insightful here in a minute that I think so many are going to learn from. But before we do that, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you developed some partnerships. I believe it was in the summer with like League of American Bicyclists for their Invest in America summer membership drive. I thought that was so smart because you obviously saw that there was this person who might be rediscovering the inner cyclist or trying cycling because they had to, because they needed to commute, et cetera. But that was so smart for you to, um, you know, kind of attach yourself to that. And I'd love for you to speak about like what made you decide on that specific direction and how that's worked for you as well as we lead into your news here. Yeah, there's uh, actually two organizations that we partnered with a lot last summer. So let me talk a little bit. The first one, because I had to do with the masks, it's an organization called Bicycling Public Project. They're just here in New York, but they really focus their efforts on supporting working cyclists and delivery cyclists. And New York obviously was hit really hard first off. We all like clamored inside of our little apartments, afraid to leave and relighted 100% on these delivery cyclists, like putting their lives in harm's way every day, just bringing these packages all day long to everybody, you know? And so when we started with the face mask, I was like, I really want to give back to this organization because I know that they'll get some masks into the hands of this group of people. And so we formed that partnership with them. It started off with every time you would buy a mask, we would donate a week's worth of medical grade masks to a delivery cyclist. And I'm really proud of that because it was such like an urgent need. And it's a group of people that is often overlooked with bicycling thing, even though they make up such a huge proportion of who's actually cycling on our streets. So I felt really, I mean, that was a really good program and we're still doing it now. Um, with the League of American Bicyclists and full transparency, I'm the, on their board of directors. But Last year was also an important time for them because concurrently to COVID, there was a lot of legislation that was being discussed in Congress that had to do with the upcoming infrastructure bills and transportation bills. And just seeing how so many cities across the country were really kind of rethinking of how their streets were built and for whom, and if it makes sense to keep it that way when we don't want people in cars and we want people to be able to move freely and really enjoy that public space and have it work for them. So it felt like kind of um, a similar situation where a lot of people were biking, thinking about it, thinking like, it would be better if my city had more bike lanes or more bike paths. And how could I be a part of that to make that happen? And obviously that's something we're super passionate about at Pocampo too, because the safer it feels to ride, the more often you'll ride hands down. You know, everybody knows it's fun. That's not the problem. <laughs> So we were able to partner with the league on their big kind of summer fundraising drive, which was called Invest in America, towards that legislation and just kind of using the moment to really rally people at a grassroots level. So we partnered with them and made a custom League of American Cyclists bag. And so we were able to use that as like a gift when you would make a donation. That's cool. Okay. Uh, I do know, like, just with the results of that campaign, it wasn't all just the Pocampo bags. I do think the cause and the timing was so perfect, but they doubled, almost doubled the number of donors from the previous summer's uh, fundraising campaign. So it was hugely successful. So I have to ask, with the disruption of COVID, all of us have revisited what's important to us, including executives. 
right? Let's talk a little about um, some of the, the amazing team that you've brought in to really drive this business forward now that you have the traction you've earned and, and really worked hard for through serving during COVID. I really have a strong feeling, and I'm hoping you can elaborate on this, that potentially you were able to attract some of the really A players that you did because of what you stand for, what you're doing, how nimble you are. I think you're seeing a special lane of opportunity here. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, you know, I would say because I had like plugged away at Pocampo, not as a solo business owner, but I was always a very small team and really trying to project this like image of the company as much, much larger than it was. It almost was like something I was a little ashamed of or insecure of, of like how small it really was, you know, and I think that um, insecurity held me back from really being like, you know what, I need this. And it was in the beginning of 2019, where I, I really did feel like the time had come for Pocampo. And I do credit the micromobility and kind of the scooters and everything was just bringing so many new people into the bike lane that were kind of like getting hooked on it and wanting to keep doing it. Like, this is our time. And what is the main thing that's holding us back? Well, it's because it's still largely just me. <laughs> and like the opportunity at hand is enormous. And that means that, you know, the demand for skill and expertise is also enormous. And so if I really want to go after that, that's what I need to have in place before I start doing it. And I was, I'll be honest, when I was like, this is kind of the team I want. I'm this small, small little company. How am I ever going to attract somebody like this? And I put out a job posting and I was really just blown away. Seriously, blown away by, by the caliber of the people who applied that really wanted the position. And I think it is kind of like what she said, like, well, first, just the tenacity, something that maybe I was like a little embarrassed about, but it really shows that we've been through so many ups and downs and you can still like pick yourself up and keep going. That's the mark. I mean, that's just business, especially in a startup. And so that I've proven that time and time again, you don't worry about the founder just quitting or walking away. So I think that really was, did say a lot. And then just this like really good connection to our community and to our customer. I think when you're a small business, I mean, your customers are everything to you, you know, yes. so like your whole life is to like serve them, please them, make them happy, you know, and to have that like just in my DNA now, you know, where like I know what this customer needs and how I can serve them and what the opportunity is to grow that, you know, it's, that's kind of like the backbone of the business. And so since those two things were like the commitment, the determination and a really good sense of the opportunity, I think that did make it seem appealing. And then somebody can come in with their skills and be like, I know how to take this to this level and I can do that for you. And so you found some great leaders. I believe one was a former head of marketing for Jiro, correct? And then another executive from Marmot? Yeah. So um, Katie is from marketing. And I really felt like that's where we needed the most help. I felt pretty good about the product and the strategy and where we fit in, but really how to bring this to a larger audience and kind of open up that aperture and have it resonate with a bigger crowd and just kind of help me think through like how we organize our marketing campaigns and the plan for the year and how things can feed off each other. So Katie was the first to come on in a big way last, well, the fall of 2019 and really helped me get ramped up for that big launch on March 9th. Um, and I credit our huge growth last year to her, really. Um, but our online sales went up 250% over the year. So it was huge growth. 
Wow. Uh, then I brought on Marty from Marmot and she had worked as a product developer there. I actually knew Marty from years ago. We used to work together and we're very like complementary skill sets. She's very detailed and kind of orderly. I'm more of a big picture thinker with <laughs> paint with a big brush and she lives in Hong Kong. So manufacturing overseas, like just that time difference and the distance and having like all those little decisions you have to make every day, having somebody there like on the ground really helps that go smoother and can really make sure we're dialing in all the features features and details that helps the product stand apart. So that was like, okay, now that we have this team, it feels like we've got the basics covered and I can kind of focus on being the brand visionary and working on some of the partnerships and some of the larger wholesale accounts and all of those pieces. And it's a really good collaborative team. All of our personalities complement each other really well too, which I think is important. To supplement that though, I also built this amazing advisory board, which we rely on so much. I have Todd Stockbauer, who I met through Camber as well. He helps us with our finances and operations. I have a, a VP of product management from Samsonite who's really helped us like put together our two-year product plan and how we can make it happen. Somebody in marketing, somebody in micromobility, just to like kind of fill in a lot of those little knowledge gaps. And it does feel like we have this like really deep bench now, you know, whenever something comes up, instead of me researching it online or whatever, I can just pick up the phone and ask somebody and really get some good input. That sounds like a dream come true. I mean, that's off to you. You know, I mean, with every small business, there's ups and downs all the time, right? Yeah. You know, so, but last year, whenever I was in one of the down swings, that's something I would remember. Like Maria, a year ago, you said you wanted this team and you had no idea how it would come to be. And now you have that team. So <laughs> just remember that you did accomplish something pretty amazing just in a year. I think I can say there's a lot that was accomplished during that year. <laughs> so let's talk about what you're going to do to drive all of this great positive momentum forward. Really, you reached out to me for this particular reason, and I wanted to really save the best for last. There's a couple last things I wanted to hit here, but this is one of the main ones. Equity crowdfunding. So this is a channel, if you will, that we really haven't talked about on Channel Mastery. Obviously, we talk a lot about brand and storytelling and you know the discovery, engagement, and nurture sequence and all of that. This has to do with kind of building the financial solubility of Pocampo while you're building all the other channels and, and providing excellent service and a great product. So let's talk a little bit about like why you chose this, because obviously you, you have to probably pitch, um, you know, for capital often. And this is a really interesting choice. And I wanted you to share this with the audience here and then also invite them to learn more. Yeah, for sure. So equity crowdfunding, it's kind of like a Kickstarter, but instead of placing a pledge and then getting a reward of a new product or whatever, you're actually getting a small or I guess it depends on how much you invest, you're getting a, a financial stake in the business. This came about during the Jobs Act during the Obama administration as a way to bring the opportunity to invest to more people. Otherwise, you have to be an accredited investor and have a certain amount of wealth or whatever. And it really does exclude a lot of people. And you think about some companies everybody loves, like Airbnb or um, Tesla or whatever. And you know, if you could have a little piece of that company when it started, maybe you could reap some of those huge financial rewards at the end as well. So really wanting to kind of bring that to more people. There's a couple of different platforms. They're all a little bit different. For our campaign, the minimum investment is just $150. So it's definitely a much smaller entry point um, to become a little stakeholder in the company. And we wanted to do it because, and part of it is because Pocampo was bootstrapped for so long. 
and really feeling like I built it with our customers, you know, so now we like get to this exciting stage where we're taking off and sales are growing so fast and we see the opportunity for us, like everything's kind of clarifying, you know, I remember when I started or early on in Pocampo, I would tell people like, you know, when you think of yoga, you think of Lululemon, well, that's what I'm going to be for biking. And people will be like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> but just like over the last year, I say that and people are like, oh yeah, totally, totally. Like, you know, people see the opportunity and the space for a brand and how our track record and our commitment to kind of innovation and connection with the community makes us the perfect candidate for it. So if you see that and want to be part of that future, you've helped us get to this point. Well, here's a chance for you to get a little piece of the company and continue growing with us in in a bigger way. That's fantastic. And I just really, I think it's what I love most about this. And I want to really highlight for everybody, including myself to like take away from this. All of these touch points have your end consumer like right in focus. There's nothing that you, it seems like every decision is based on that. And you became even closer to that consumer during COVID. You welcomed many more in. I think you're probably having different conversations with wholesale partners now because of just the mindset of everybody out there and the consideration that they're taking around, you know, their lives and what's important to them. And I just think that it's so spectacular that you chose to do this. I mean, obviously, we've covered Kickstarters in the past. I really see this as very, very different. And it's so on brand for you. It's really cool. Yeah, you know, just similar, I guess, to Kickstarter, but we're using the Republic platform. Um, They're based in here in New York. And why I chose them is because they spun out of AngelList, which is like the biggest network of angel investors or one of the big ones anyway. And because they have that rich network of investors and VCs, once you hit your or surpass your minimum goal of 25,000, which we did last week, they start to thank you. Yeah. Um, they start to promote your deal to their investors. And that was something that really attracted me to Republic because as we're doing our fundraising, you know, some people come from networks with investors um, from whatever, you know, their MBA school or whatever. And some people don't like me, you know, and it always kind of felt like, how do I get access to these people, especially during COVID where there's no like mingling, you know? Right. And that aspect of Republic, where we could at least just get visibility to this really rich network of investors, was really attractive to me. One of like just thinking about it as a channel and something that I didn't expect that already I'm excited about is when somebody invests, they can put in like what if they have any professional expertise or like what in particular attracted them to this deal. And if you want to call them for any information and just like now kind of clicking through, I'm like, oh my God, look at all these people with such rich expertise in these different areas. And it just feels good to kind of have them on our team, you know, and feel like we're building it together. That's amazing. And so just to wrap up here, I want to make sure that we also talk about a really cool partnership that you created with Shopping Gives because it has a smart hang tag that I am super curious to have you talk about. Um, And also, as you're explaining it, keep in mind, I'd love for you to be able to talk about why it's appealing so much to your wholesale partners as well right now. Yeah, this I'm super proud about. It was totally a eureka idea we had. And I'm really happy we found Shopping Gives and are working with them because they helped us kind of like figure out how we can execute this quickly and nimbly. One thing, I guess, I guess two things that we kind of combined is we have a 
we've always done a significant amount of charity contribution. So whether it's through World Bicycle Relief or with the local advocacy groups, but with everything that happened in 2020, really kind of feeling like we wanted to change what we were doing to better reflect our customers' passions. You know, it kind of felt like it was very top-down. Like Pocampo has decided that these three things are the important things, you know? And just knowing that uh, everybody's in a different situation and maybe their community has some nonprofit that's just doing tremendous work and, you know, would never be on our radar. And if there could be a way to enable kind of customer choice um, so that they could choose which uh, nonprofit we would donate our 1% to. Um, so there's a couple of different options for that. There's Shopify integrations. That's the easy part. But we, I had this other idea. And I know this is something that so many brands struggle with. And I was just like, how can we just try to solve this? Pocampo is very omni-channel. The majority of our products are not sold on Pocampo.com. They're sold through wholesalers or marketplaces or whatever. And I'm totally fine with that. Um, Pocampo is very accessible brands. You know, we don't, we're not elite. We're not only in certain places. I want to be everywhere where our customer is shopping. Uh, so I'm fine with that part of it. The part that you miss out on is just like capturing who exactly those customers are and, and what they have and where they bought it from. And, you know, I don't know, just all that kind of data that really gives you a richer understanding of how you can meet these people and answer them better. And how do you figure out how to close that loop or kind of jump that gap? Well, an idea we had was to add a tag to our bag and to give it, put something on it that would be compelling enough that people would scan it and give us some of that information. And we felt that the give back idea would do that for us. So we're kind of highlighting it this year just to see how it works. But we added a smart tag. So it has a QR code on it that gives the specific product information to the system. And you can scan it. You go to our page, Shopping Gives helped us set this up. And it's the same kind of thing. You confirm like, this is your bag. This is how much we're going to donate and pick your charity. And Shopping Gives is set up as a foundation. So every nonprofit in the United States that's 501c3 is in there. So if you're in Chicago and you want to support Active Transportation Alliance, you can do that. If you're in New York and you want to do transportation alternatives, you can do that. You know, if your mom has breast cancer and you want to do that, that's fine. You know, and it just helps us know that we're giving the money to in a way that really matters to the customer, but it also kind of gives us that information about who our customers are. So we're launching this with our new products next month or February. So depending on when this airs, it might be up Which already. Which was my last question. So that's going to hit with your brand new product line that I wanted to ask yes. you about. Yeah, it is. And um, with the wholesale part is the way the technology works with shopping gives, we can kind of put in a default charity. So if a store is really active with a local charity or whatever, we can change it. So it just at least defaults to that. A customer can change it if they want to, but then that kind of gives, you know, the store another thing that they can tell their customer and another reason that Pocampo brings more value. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's awesome. the piece of it. I know. We're so like, it, the more that we work on it, like the better and better it becomes. We're like, oh, we're geniuses for this. Yeah. <laughs> that really does feel like such a smart move. Let's talk a little bit before we close today about this new line of products that's landing in March of 2021. It sounds like you had some people helping you <laughs> design this, which I think is so great. I mean, talk about being nimble. Talk about like how you created almost like a crowdsourced design, it sounds like with some of your new customers. 
<laughs> we had the idea to develop a line of kids' bike bags. Um, this was kind of pre-COVID um, where we landed on the idea. And it came from the insight that a lot of our customers are in like parent age. They have kids. Um, but there's really a dearth of like quality bike stuff for kids. I mean, there's good bikes, maybe good helmets, but that's kind of where it ends. And then you're stuck with just plastic stuff, you know, from Walmart or whatever, and really feeling like there would be an opportunity to kind of fill that need. Our The way our design process works is we start kind of, we're working on it in March and April. And because of my background in industrial design and a real um, strong design research background, when it's some designing for something that I don't know personally, and I don't have kids, I don't trust myself at all. You know, I really want to kind of co-create it with the customer. And mm -hmm. so we did have to get creative with how to do this during COVID. We did some just kind of phone interviews just to kind of lay the groundwork and come up with some ideas. And then we got some samples come over and we chose six biking families from across the country that had a range of ages and, you know, just kind of different things we were looking for. And we made like this goodie box that they would send from one to another. You could leave Leave it outside your door for a day or two to let the COVID expire if you needed to. And then they just use the bags with their kids, you know, and everybody started biking then. So it was really easy to find people who wanted to participate. And the insights were just priceless, as I often feel like they are with design research. I would say our biggest insight that we were able to incorporate was the need for kids to like pick up treasures, you know, kind of like rocks or sticks or bring their toys with them and have a place to easily stash it in the bag. Cause otherwise it goes in mom's pocket and she's sick of it, you know? And so yeah. these kinds of like stash pockets that the kids can like totally fill with whatever are on all the bags. So that was definitely one of the insights that came out of the research as well as some other things that really feels like they're super cute bags. They're very functional, but they're also, I think, the best ones for kids because of that. That's great. And so is that launching? Obviously, you know, we're not sure exactly what the state of retail is, but will that be across all of your channels in March? Uh, yeah, it's we're doing a soft launch in February. So it's reiinfocampo.com uh, in February, and then it'll be across all of our retailers and channels in March. That's fantastic. Well, a huge congratulations to you. And please know I am so excited to watch all of this unfold and see where it goes. <laughs> the way that you have just really looked around the corners has been remarkable and always plugging into your North Star, the end consumer. It just, you're just a perfect guest for this podcast because through all that turbulence, you found traction and you found success. And again, you're not there trying to, to uh, capitalize on like the challenge out there, but you're solving problems. And you really did that in such an incredible way. I really am absolutely fired up to see where you guys are going to go oh, as micro too. mobility becomes like a very important category going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that everybody um, in this space is just thrilled or excited about the potential. And um, I do really think in five years, we'll be using different things, you know, like, I'm a huge e-bike fanatic now. And you know, even a year ago, I don't think I we'd even have thought twice about it. But you just see how things evolve and things become picked up and integrated into the fabric of the city. And we're just excited to be solving for all that coming down the pike and being the leader in the space. Well, congratulations. I really can't wait to see how you guys send this, if you will. <laughs> Thank you Thanks, so much. And, um, it was it, great to catch up. Yeah. So if you want to learn more, head over to pocampo.com, correct? Yep. 
That's it. Awesome. All right. And we'll have links to Instagram and links to everything we mentioned that needs a link in the show notes. But I just wanted to, once again, thank you so much for being here and inspiring us in early 2021. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery Podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advance notice of new Channel Mastery trainings and offerings. Thanks for listening and see you next week.